1: Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Buckeyes Morning 5 here on Wednesday, November 25th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendell. Before we delve into eating a lot of turkey tomorrow and watching a lot of football tomorrow and throughout the rest of the weekend, let's talk some Ohio State Buckeyes backs. First of all, I mean, there's so much to get into today, but um, I want to start with the big story. College football playoff rankings coming out last night, the Buckeyes. Number four, they're behind number one, Alabama. Number two, Notre Dame. Number three, Clemson. I thought the Buckeyes would be number three and Clemson would be fourth. And frankly, they should be third. The Buckeyes should, but whatever. It's irrelevant in the grand scheme. If Ohio State wins out, they're getting in the CFP. And if they, you know, get some style points against Northwestern, who got the number eight ranking, which is actually good for Ohio State because the committee is maybe you know, viewing Northwestern better than the voters are in the AP poll where Northwestern is number 11. Even though I don't agree with it, backs I'm not bent out of shape that the Buckeyes are number four. It's irrelevant in the grand scheme. Curious to get your thoughts on Ohio State being number four in the initial college football playoff rankings.
0: I don't care that they're number four. They've played half the games of the two ACC teams ahead of them. And while I think they would beat those ACC teams, uh, the reality is it's not a big deal. Win and you're in. Winning, you're in. Do I need to say it again? Win and you are in. There's no way an undefeated Ohio State team is going to be kept out of the championship uh, playoff bracket, plain and simple. So, like, let's not get our our, our panties in a wad about this one here, everybody. There are people losing their minds on Twitter. A, our defense has some notable issues right now. And B, we've played half the games. So, slow our roll, win these last three regular season games. Hopefully get the defense straight. Beat a good Northwestern team that's the type of team Ohio State should fare well against because they don't have much of an offense like usual and get into the playoff. And ideally in the playoff, you don't play Bama in the first round. Uh, If we can manage to get a two or three seed, which if Clemson and Notre Dame split, you know, one of them's not, they're not going to have a third game between them, right? Like that would be hilarious, but there's no way there's a third game between them. So let's not panic about the first college football playoff rankings. If anything, I think, I think the statistics still to this day is that, Whoever was number one in the first CFP ranking has never won the title. So, cool. That means Ohio State's in a good spot.
1: (laughs) Championship. So, Ryan Day was asked yesterday on his press conference, and Kerry Combs followed him. And they were asked a lot of questions about the defense, shockingly. I I was among that crew asking questions, nothing about the defense. um, uh, Nothing except the defense. And, you know, I mean, Ryan Day said – you know, a couple different times, it's basically execution, not all, but mostly the problem is execution, which is coach speak for the players aren't getting their jobs done. The scheme is fine. These guys aren't playing well enough is what that means. When you hear execution, obviously, as any football fan knows, what'd you make of that Vax?
0: I could not agree with it more, to be honest. Uh, watching the game was tough enough. Um, I went back and rewatched it to try to get an idea of what was happening. And then I went and listened to what people who are smart, like Mark Porter were saying, and other people who understand how these schemes work. And the truth is, if you look at it, it's largely execution. And by that, I mean, they're losing battles they shouldn't lose, right? So for like every Sean Wade pick six, there's been a couple where he's right there to make the play and doesn't. Um, For for every time that we want to point out that, uh, oh, look at the open receiver. Well, what happened was Marcus Williamson got beat off the line. Marcus Hooker ran the other way and didn't hold his spot in the middle of the field. And he left Ty Freifogel wide open. Like, these are the type of coverage busts we're seeing. So, like, people complain that Seven Banks is getting beat. Well, he's right there. He's just not winning the battle, right? I could go on and on and on about this. But the reality is right now, there's a couple things that are hurting them with execution. One, there was no spring football. And as we've seen across the country, it's very difficult for defenses to get up to speed quick enough. It, It appears that the offenses are much more inclined to come out of the gates quickly. Everywhere, defenses have been having trouble. Two, Ohio State is extremely young in the defensive backfield, which is a problem when you combine it with factor one about spring football. Right now, in college football, think about all the guys that aren't playing for Ohio State that could be. Isaiah Pryor is starting at safety for Notre Dame. He was only a five-star safety recruit who transferred out of Ohio State because of lack of playing time because Brendan White beat him out. The same Brendan White who transferred out of Ohio State last year is now starting at Rutgers, right? Right. And the flip side of that is you also had two experienced defensive backs, most notably Amir Reap, who's no longer on the team because of some criminal behavior, allegedly, right? They've not been on the team. So that's, there's two more there that are not part of the team. And on top of that, Cam Brown, who was probably one of the most experienced guys they had coming into the year, tore his Achilles at Penn State. See, you are you know, the people talk to pros are about X's and O's and colleges are about the Jimmys and Joes, right? Well, we're missing a lot of Joes in the team right now. And so you've got a lot of younger guys on the field that probably wouldn't be had there not been some of this attrition, had there not been some of these losses that you've seen, right? And the reality is the execution has not been there. Banks and Wade have not been as good as advertised so far. truth. But they've at least been in position. They're the least of my concerns. Frankly, Josh Proctor has been awesome. The guys around him have been failing. Uh, Where you're really going to have to zoom in on this is who, who is in the third corner spot. Where you're seeing Marcus Williamson struggle. Uh, I mean, that one long touchdown, he just got beat off the line, right? That's execution. He was lined up on a guy and he got beat off the line. And then the next play, what happened, or the next part of the play, what happens is, is Marcus Hooker doesn't recognize and pick it up and he's off freelancing. If you expect him to be your center fielder, A, he's not athletic like his big brother to make up on some of this. And B, his instincts aren't there yet. Some of this is going to be learning curve, right? But the flip side of this is, is that. The mistakes that Hooker's been making the last couple games, and I hate to pick on the kid because you know they're trying, and this isn't a personal attack like we tell people not to do, but the reality is you could directly point the finger at Hooker for three of those touchdowns in that game. I mean, the one play where the quarterback scrambled and Hooker's 20 yards downfield and blows his own assignment off the run-up to make a tackle, leaving an open receiver, that's blatant execution failures. The long pass that seven banks gave up in the first half that led to Indiana's only touchdown. Banks hung with the guy. And when the guy turned up field, Banks started jogging like he thought the play was over. And then he goes, oh crap. And the ball's over his head. And then he shows his athleticism to catch him. But that's just laziness. Execution fails. So you have all these people who reflexively flash back to 2018 and want to fire Kerry Combs because they remember how bad the secondary was and the scheme was in 2018. This isn't the same thing. We're not lining up linebackers like defensive tackles. We're not having our, our defensive backs not turn and look for the ball by design, right? In fact, if anything, the front seven on the defense has been really good. Like, that's the part nobody's talking about because the passing game has been so bad. But our run defense is great. How much complaining have we done about a guy like Tuff Borland who was previously the whipping boy? Almost none because he's been really good, even in pass coverage. It comes down to execution failures in the secondary for Ohio State, particularly in the second half the next couple games. It's maturity and it's execution right now. And I think that's 99% of their problem. And the good news is, they can fix that whether it's changing some of these personnel or with these kids just growing up and recognizing that you're giving up a ton of points because you're not focusing and executing hard enough.
1: Buckeyes at Illinois this Saturday, the wind tunnel in Champaign. Ohio State's favored by 28, Illinois on a two-game winning streak. What are your thoughts and what is your prediction for this game?
0: So my experience at the University of Illinois has been well-documented on this show, on all the other Bucknuts podcasts we've ever done since I started writing, and in virtually every article where Illinois comes up. I went to the game in 2006, the week before the number one versus number two Ohio State-Michigan game, when I was a student at Ohio State. Me and one of my buddies decided to spur the moment Friday night to drive over to Champaign. We didn't realize how freaking cold it gets there. Because it's in the middle of the prairie, the wind is whipping across you, there is literally nothing to slow it down. And so you have like a 35 degree day and it feels like 10 degrees outside. That was the game Ohio state won something like 13 to 10 uh, that year. And everybody's sitting there like, what the heck is going on? Well, the reality was is you couldn't get a pass completed through that win. That was what was going on. Luckily it looks like it's going to be more like 50 degrees and 10 mile an hour win. So if that's the case, I think it's perfect for Ohio state because a, you know, the offense right now for Ohio state, passing the football is virtually unstoppable. Justin Fields had his quote worst game of his career last week, and he still threw for 300 yards. They counted for almost 400 total yards, and they counted for three touchdowns. In his 18th game, we finally had a bad one. Okay, whoop-de-doo. He's going to learn he can't throw the ball downfield into double coverage, hoping to get a touchdown on every play. He's going to learn from that. He's going to get better. No stress. The defense, on the other hand, this team has Brandon Peters, who's a pretty decent quarterback, who until Cade McNamara appeared last week in they Stunning and brave, a magical, amazing three-overtime win over Rutgers. Michigan probably would have killed to have Brandon Peters still a quarterback this season. On top of that, they have a guy named Josh Amaterbebe, who's a pretty good receiver. He'll be a challenge for Ohio State. And this isn't a great passing team, so it's one that you would think the defense should be able to, quote, get healthy against, especially with them having two good runners. They had two guys run for 100 yards last week, right? And they're not a horrible football team, right? And it's the same Illinois team, too, that also upset, up, uh, upset Wisconsin last year at Illinois. So there's there's enough interest there, I think, that this could be a really good game for Ohio State to start getting things right before they finish out the year with the two Michigan teams. Uh, I think Ohio State gets healthy in this one. I think you're going to see Sean Wade have one of those games we've been waiting for from him, right? The reality is Sean Wade hasn't been as good as I think he expected to be this year either. So having a chance to take on a guy like Amater Bebe, who's probably a late-round draft pick, is a good opportunity for Sean Wade to show his, his stock, if you will. Um, and it's going to be more difficult for Peters to be able to get the ball off against an Ohio State front four that's getting a ton of pressure. Uh, I, I think Ohio State's going to go out in this game. I think you are going to see them finally start playing defense a little bit more along the way that we'd like to see. And specifically, I'm talking about the secondary. I think you're going to see some personnel changes this week. And I think Ohio State's going to go out. and For the first time all year, I'm going to feel comfortable saying they cover.
1: I've got this one fifty five seventeen. I think they're finally going to put sixty minutes together. I know I said that last week too, and uh, for a while I was feeling good about it when it was thirty five to seven in the third quarter against Indiana. Damn right, I was feeling good about that. And then they mailed it in the rest of the way, and Indiana played well. I think we got to give credit to Indiana; uh, they're a mm-hmm. good football team. Um, I think this is the week Ohio State's going to put it on somebody, and play a full 60 minutes. I have this one, 55-17. As you mentioned, you think they're going to cover. Uh, to put you on the spot, what's your final score prediction?
0: You know, I'm pretty similar to you in this one. I'm going to say 48-17. to 17. 17 is the defensive number sort of in my head as a goal to see because that's just move back in the right direction, right? And I do think you're going to see fields moving the ball all over the place. And by the way, you know what the funniest part about this last game is for me, Dave? Nobody's talking about the fact that our our tailbacks were excellent in this game. In fact, if anything, you can go back and criticize Master Peak for only having 169 yards if you look at some of the holes that were open for him. But between him and Trey Sermon, they racked up something like 225 yards in the ground. That's great. That's a great game from our our, our tailbacks, averaging six-point-something yards a carry. That's what J.K. Dobbins did last year. So, you know, for all the frustrations people have about this Indiana game, yeah, I've been saying this all week. Imagine this was a different season and Penn State and Michigan didn't suck and they were a top 10 rated team and we beat them by seven points. Would you really be freaking out? Probably not as much. But because the helmet says Indiana on it, we're all going, oh my God, what the hell just happened? So uh, you're right. We have to give Indiana a ton of credit. That's a good football team. Uh, and, and I know you and I have both said that for a while here. I said before the season in a normal year, I'd pick them to win nine games, right? Well, having seen what they've done this year, that's more like 10 or 11 based on the way that their, their schedule would have played out with them beating Michigan and beating Penn State. And they would have had Wisconsin on their schedule if this been their normal schedule for the year. They were supposed to open with them. So if they won that game, Ohio State might have been their only loss of the year. It's a good Indiana team. And you got to call a spade a spade every now and then. That's an Indiana team that probably finishes the year in the top 15, I guess. So a little bit of credit has to be given. But we all know the trend line here. Ohio State's supposed to be a national championship dominant-level team. And the last three games in the second half, we have had bludgeonings through the air by quarterbacks that are nowhere near as good as we're going to hopefully see in the college football playoff. So I understand people's panics, and there's certainly some work to be done.
1: Let's close the show with recruiting chatter. The Buckeyes out here hitting home runs like Hank Aaron. The 2021 class, which they will put the finishing touches on here in about a month, is amazing. It'll finish as either the number one or number two class in the country. The 2022 class – Looks like it's going to be even better. It's very early. We were saying the 2021 class is going to be the best class in college football history, and it's still going to be fantastic. So you'll never know. But right now, this 2022 class looks like it's going to be perhaps even better than 2021. It is ranked number one in the country right now. The 2022 class is for the Buckeyes. And the latest commitment, of course, is five-star wide receiver Caleb Burton from Texas. The Buckeyes continue to recruit the state of Texas phenomenally well I mean Texas and Texas a and combined aren't even coming close to what Ohio State is doing recruiting in the state of Texas that is mind-boggling I love it Bax I know you do too
0: yeah I, I have to say that the deep in the heart of Texas is where the Ohio State flag is flying might as well rename it Ohio South like that's what's going on with all this recruiting at this point in the last five cycles, Ohio State has taken more five-star kids out of Texas than any other school, which is hilarious. And by the way, this doesn't have anything to do coincidentally with the fact that you know Tom Herman's at, at UT and has been blowing it and recruiting, literally for the last two cycles. Uh, go go to the Texas boards sometime and see what they say about the uh, about the recruiting work that our old quote-unquote friend is doing down there. And uh, you know, this is this Quinn Ewers flip is a massive problem for him. Caleb Burton coming to Ohio State is another massive problem for him. A couple of the other top kids in the state of Texas are highly considering Ohio State. By the time this thing goes live, we may have more news about commitments from the state of Texas. It's going to be very fun to watch Ohio South continue to send kids to Columbus the next couple of years. And you're right. You, you touched on the 2021 class. At the start of this cycle, we talked about how we thought it might be the best class ever. And it's going to still shape up to be one of the greatest classes, according, at least in the modern era according to this 24-7 ranking system, right? Uh, and you know what? Hey, we can, we can nitpick one or two little things. The fact that class in 2021 is coming in and we're already looking at 2022 is saying it might be better is mind-boggling. 2021 is very similar in terms of uh, quality. In fact, it may end up being higher rated overall at the end of the day once the kids from Washington and JTT and Emeka and Buka make their minds up. And if they end up in Columbus, it may be higher rated than the 2017 class at OSU, which, as we all know, has been sending a boatload of kids to the NFL in high draft positions. So 2022, doing what it's doing, it, it, it's, it's, it's like one of the – I always like to make this comparison, and there's a certain segment of people who won't get it. So I, forgive me if, if you're one of them. But whenever the NCAA video games were still out, you got into like season three of your dynasty or so, having one or, one or two national championships already, and you could literally pick the top 25 kids and you'd land 18 of them. Well, right now, Ohio State is sitting on one of those classes where if you take up their two tight ends, which you need tight ends, and honestly, I think both these tight ends are really good prospects they have committed. Everybody else is in the top 125 in the country, and that's like six other kids. And they're only going to have more of them coming in. I mean, Ryan Ryan Day's big game hunting, right? Like like Tom Herman is on the phone right now at Brett McMurphy trying to get him to make up more stories, just to try to stop Ohio State's momentum in Ohio South right now. And it's not stopping anytime soon. So What Ohio State's doing on the recruiting trail right now? Dave, I don't know about you, but whenever Urban retired, I would never have thought our recruiting was going to get measurably better. But that's what's happening. So my only complaint is I want to see some more of these big hosses. I want to see some more linemen. Like, we've got a lot. Every receiver and quarterback in the country wants to come here. Let's make sure we're getting the hog mollies to match it. But we're already seeing that coming. I I think we're going to see that fill in a bit here, too. Let's get some of these elite tackles. Give me Zach Rice out of Virginia. Give me Sean Murphy out of Virginia, and I'm going to be really happy about where that 2022 class is but this early on it looks like it's going to be stupendous
1: thanks to Bax. thanks to all of you who listen to the show happy thanksgiving buck nutters